for the last song, uh, you took me back to the 90s when that song was released. It was so refreshing to sing it after so many years. Thank you. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. You don't seem to be responding. Are you afraid of the warnings? <laughs> Remember, they are not just warnings, they are exhortations as well. I was telling the, the Chichewa service last week that, you know, sometimes God acts like a mouse or a, a rat. Those of us who have been beaten by a rat, we know what happens. He's biting you and the nose and the eyes is also uh, comforting you at the same time. You don't really get to feel the pain. So that's what God is doing uh, around this time, as he's reminding us, warning us, so that we become better and better. Hallelujah. Uh, this morning, uh, we'll continue with the warnings and the exhortations. And uh, we'll mainly focus on one, uh, that is on uh, the issue of uh, immaturity, warning against immaturity. And then we'll go on to look at uh, the exhortations. Uh, just a recap of what we've been looking at. Um, last week, we took our time to look at uh, two warnings. And these two warnings came from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. And then the other one from the uh, chapter 3 of the same book. And just a reminder of what we were looking at, our main focus was on the uh, paying careful attention to what we've heard. Paying careful attention to what we've heard. And this was a reminder, a warning that was given to the early church, the church, uh, the church in Hebrew, uh, the one that was going through a lot of uh, persecution, challenges, and I said, uh, this church is exactly what we, the present church or the modern church, is going through. If we were to ask each one of you, you have your own fair share of challenges that you are facing. So, the warnings and the exhortations were coming to us just to remind us that we are not the first people to go through whatever we go through. And that whatever we go through should not alarm us, should not be a cause for us to go back to the old ways, to turn back, to drift away from the Lord. There's no better place other than the presence of God. Hallelujah. And God also wants to remind us that we cannot be in the middle. We can no longer continue to be lukewarm. We need to decide we need to tell ourselves who we are going to save. 
As for me and my house, we will save the Lord. Hallelujah. So the Lord does not want a middle ground. He wants us to decide. And he also reminded us about our first love. Losing our first love. There is nothing disheartening as to see someone you loved very much drifting away from you. If it breaks your heart that your spouse or your, someone that you really thought would spend your life together till old age is drifting away from you, that same pain is the same pain that God feels when we start drifting away from him. And that's, that's why he's taking his time to remind us not to drift away. Hallelujah. So this morning, we'll continue from there. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. We are going to look at Hebrews chapter 5. And today, we'll also look at other scriptures from other books. Uh, where we are going to learn more on the issue of uh, warning against immaturity. Uh, for the sake of context, I will read from chapter 1, I mean verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 5, so that we take it uh, within its context. There's a reason why I'm taking it from the top. So let's start reading from Hebrews chapter 5, from verse 1. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for, those, for the sins of the people. No one takes this on upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And as he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up, up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now we come to the warning. Warning against maturity, immaturity. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. There it is. You are slow to learn. As a teacher, I'm a, I'm a teacher by profession, when you have uh, your learners, you know who are slow learners and those that learn fast. 
So this teacher in the book of Hebrew, he says, you are slow learners. If you take what he, uh, from verse 11, he starts to say, he starts by saying that we have much to say about this. About what? About Jesus being the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. If you look at it in the context, that's what he's trying to say. But why is he not talking about that? He says because it is hard to explain. Why? Because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elements of truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still, is, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Melchizedek is the king of righteousness. Jesus is the king of righteousness. And he says, if you are not acquainted with the, uh, I mean, if you are not, uh, if you are still a child, if you are still living on milk, then you cannot be taught about this king of righteousness. It will be too much for you. It will be too high information. So he says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use, constant use. What do other versions say? Constant use. Constant practice. But by, solid food is for the mature. Which group of mature people who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. They've had to take a step to train themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, we go on to chapter 6. We'll take if, uh, some three verses from there. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings. Another key word there. Elementary teachings. Basic teachings. The ABCs of Christianity. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting who do so. God willing who do so. But first of all, you have to leave your immaturity. You have to learn to, uh, to train yourself to be able to distinguish between good and evil. So that's where we, we pick it up from. Um, excuse me. Uh, like I said, I'm a teacher by profession. Every time I'm preparing a lesson, I have to think about my learners. I teach in Form 1, I also teach in Form 3. 
So when I'm going to form one class, I have to remember that these are form ones and this is what I need to prepare for them. If I really want them to understand my lesson. If I really have to bear in mind who my students are. So this is the same thing that uh, the Hebrew writer does. He's looking at the, the, the learners, the, the, the Christians that he is writing to. And then considering that by now these people, with what has been deposited in them, with what they have learned, they should be somewhere else. But unfortunately, they are not there yet. Their level of understanding is not in line with what they has been deposited in them. It's like they have been given hard stuff. They are still processing it. It's taking time for them to process it. So, as a, as a teacher, I have to consider all these, these things. I have to consider my slow learners. I don't have to go on and teach and just sign at the end that I've taught. I will have left out these slow learners. Who is a slow learner? I checked this, this term in the dictionary. Uh, they said it's a term that is used to refer to those students who have an IQ that is below average. A slow learner has an IQ that is below average. I'm not the one saying this. <laughs> I'm just giving the, the definition. So, if you, you, you are a slow learner, it means your learning abilities, they develop at a very much slower rate than the other kids. You may be in the same class, but because you are not a fast learner, you are a slow learner, your learning abilities will not allow you to learn at the very same pace with the rest of the kids in the class. That is if we go to the classroom. So the same applies here. We may be in the same church, we may be learning the same stuff, but not all of us will take it at the same pace. Hallelujah. I hope I'm not offending anyone. <laughs> I hope I'm not offending anyone. So it says that these learners who are slow learners, their learning ability is a bit slower than other kids of the same age. They may be in the same age, but their learning is not uh, the same. Whatever I say, I may think that I've communicated, but there's another slow learner who has not been communicated to. So, uh, they are, they, this, this group has a poor retention skills. They have poor retention skills. They have inability to cope up with the academics. And that is why they earned themselves this name. This name came because they are people that have poor retention skills. Do we have such in church? I'm sure we do. I'm not saying we do, but um, I hope <laughs> there's someone who has uh, poor retention skills. How do you identify a slow learner? Uh, these slow learners, if I were to take my class, my Form 1 class, these slow learners, they are, in most cases, they are unable to retain what they learn. You teach them, and then you come back to ask questions. Even immediately after you, you say something, you try to ask them. They will look blank. They will say, 
Madam, I don't know. No idea. If there's a favorite answer that students like to give is no idea. But I just gave you an idea. They will tell you no idea, madam. So, these people, in most cases, they are not able to retain what they learn. They have a, a short attention span. You cannot hold them. The moment you take 10 minutes, you will have lost a good number of them if they are in your class. They have a short attention span. And they also have another problem that is linking what they learn to another, uh, uh, another thing. Unless you specifically tell them that what I'm teaching you is related to this. On their own, they are not able to relate or to link between the, the two uh, things that you are talking about. Even in church, sometimes what we learn here in church, not all of us are able to relate that this is what I'm supposed to uh, live like. What I'm learning in church is the lifestyle that I'm supposed to display at my place of work. We tend to say that is a business place and here it is church. That is why you find some people say, I lied on Sunday. Imagine. They think Sunday is not a day to lie. Some people will say, I could have given you a slap if it was not Sunday. You've heard that. And yet others also say, I cannot dress like this because it's Sunday. There, there are certain clothes that they wear elsewhere throughout the week. On Sunday, they will try to look holy. We have Sunday clothes. If it is not right for Sunday, it's not right anywhere as a Christian. Hallelujah. We should learn to link what we learn in church to how we live throughout the week. Hallelujah. So, another, another thing that we know about these people, they are not able to apply certain learning. They don't apply certain learning or concepts in a different situation. They think that when you tell them uh, this is how you're supposed to live, they think it is only for a particular situation. That's a slow learner. It will have to take you to tell them that you need to apply this in your day-to-day -day life. You are not only the light in church. We are the light of the world. We are the salt. And the Bible says if the salt has lost, has lost its favor, what will happen? It will be thrown away. So, the slow learner, they are unable to apply certain learning or concept in a different situation without help. That is why we have pastors. That is why every time they strive to show us, no, these things are related. What we are teaching you is how you are supposed to live elsewhere. Remember that uh, uh, lesson we were learning about the traps the three traps was it just for church do we meet those traps here in church 
I'm sure a good number of us were not here. It was uh, during the COVID period. So I'll ask the pastor to repeat that lesson for us. So, for us to apply, we need someone to remind us that what we were talking about there is supposed to be applied in your day-to-day life. If we learn about um, how to treat others with respect and love, it means even when I go to work, I have to treat people with respect, even those that are below me. We are supposed to apply. It is not just something that we say. It's good when we say it, but it's, it has an effect when we apply it in our day-to-day life. So, this group of slow learners, another quality is that they always require rigorous, concrete teaching and cannot make do with abstract teaching. For them, abstract things, they don't really, uh, they cannot form their own picture. They need concrete teaching, rigorous concrete teaching. So, that is why slow learners are always underachievers. They don't achieve high. Why? It takes them time. By the time the lesson is over, they are wondering, what was the teacher saying? And they wonder how some students would be raising their hand to answer questions. That's a slow learner. You know, it's very sad. We may laugh, but it's sad. It's difficult to be a slow learner. Sometimes you find the the rest of the class is laughing, but you didn't get the joke. It's very sad. You find your friends are, are, are standing up when you didn't even hear the teacher saying stand up. Because you are slow. It's not your problem. It's, you are slow. It's, it's just in you that you are slow, a slow learner. Even in your social behavior, as a slow learner, you are immature and you are unstable. You look at the social behavior of uh, a slow learner. They are immature. They show immaturity. They are unstable. They may belong here today. Tomorrow they will belong there. They may say, I like this. And when the rest of the class say it's not good, they will go with the majority. That's a slow learner. I just wanted us to understand how the Hebrew writer felt when he was writing to these uh, he, uh, the, the Christians at uh, this church. He says, you are slow to learn. And he, he wanted to teach them more things about uh, Jesus being the, the priest, the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. By the way, in case we also have slow learners, who is Melchizedek? We first meet Melchizedek in the book of Genesis, chapter 14. When he Abraham went to rescue Lot. Uh, you know, Lot, when he chose that side, he, he faced a lot of trouble. When he chose to live in Sodom, near Sodom, he faced a lot of trouble. So, he, he was, uh, he found himself in a situation that Abraham had to go and rescue him. 
So when Abraham went to rescue him, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were fighting against four kings. So Abraham organized his men and they managed to go there and win and uh, recovered everything that they had lost. So on his way back, it is said that he met this uh, Melchizedek, this priest. He was the king of Salem. This man is a mysterious Old Testament figure. No one understands his genealogy is not mentioned in the Bible. We don't know who his mother was or his brothers. Who, who, we don't know much about him. So he said to have met Abraham. And so here in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 5 and chapter 7, he is mentioned that, uh, I mean, Jesus is, uh, it says that you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This was also said in the book of Psalms. So in case you don't know who Melchizedek is, uh, his name is, uh, simply means the king of righteousness. Jesus is the king of righteousness. So he says, I would have loved to talk about these things. But it's hard to explain them. How do I begin? Where do I begin from? It would be too much for you. So because of this, he decided to talk about the problems that he had seen among his uh, audience, his learners. That one, you are slow to learn. It's hard for me to teach you hard stuff. In fact, most of you should have been teachers by now. You ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You, you see, um, when someone is still immature, even though they have been uh, in church for years, even though they have known the Lord for, for years, but if they are not growing spiritually, they are as good as babes or uh, infants. So, you know, this, this type of uh, uh, immaturity is when, uh, I don't know if you've come across a situation whereby uh, someone asks you to pray in public. Have you come across a situation like that? When you are immature, how does it feel? You wish the, the, the earth should Part, and then you just find yourself oops you, you, you always try to avoid the eyes of the, the, the preacher that he shouldn't mention you, he shouldn't point at you why? because you are immature you don't even know how to play in public it scares you to death to think that you are you should play in public I remember Back in our village, we had this uh, church youth group. So we happened to receive visitors, uh, white visitors. So to receive a white visitor was a problem on its own. And then to be asked to pray, to open with a word of prayer. So this man, he was a chair and he, you know he, how he loved to be the chair. And he wanted all of us to feel that is the chair, is the one welcoming the, these white visitors. Until when the white visitors asked the chair to play. They said, can you open the meeting with a word of prayer? 
So that's when all of us knew that, you know, you don't have to admire some, some of these positions. It's better just to be a mayor member. You know what this man did? That time, it was during uh, that period. I don't know if some of you were born at that time. But it was during that time when he, there was the Jim Leaf song, This world is not my home. I'm just... <laughs> so you can guess what this chairman did. He stood up and he wanted to play in English and he played in English. He just said, this world is not my home. And he was... <laughs> he took it all the way to the chorus. <laughs> but at least he didn't refuse to play, isn't it? That was a lot of courage. And you know, with our white friends, they don't, they don't mind. It's us who mind. It's us who knew that he was playing a song and we laughed at him. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, sometimes they point at you to pray. And then you don't know what to say. Some people would opt to play quietly. And then tell you, I was not playing to you, I was talking to God. But you were talking to God on behalf of all of us. At least you should have prayed uh, louder so that we all get to hear what you were telling God. That's a sign of what? Immaturity. You may be in church, but then you always play, you always hope, uh, uh, hope and pray that they don't mention me, they don't point at me to just sing a song or just start a song. Sometimes you find yourself at a funeral of a member of a church. I don't know if it has happened to you. And then people are looking for the members of the church to open the function with a word of prayer. This is where you start telling them people are not yet here. People are not yet here. And who are you? And to Sanabwele, <laughs> Why? Because you are immature. You don't even know where to start from. So you think, at least I should wait, I should see Pastor McDuff and I should see Pastor Sunga. Well, the moment you see them, you lash to them and you say, you know, the chief says the program must start and they are waiting for the, they said they want the pastor to, to, to open. No, they didn't say pastor. They just said a member of the church should open. Yes. So, immaturity can drive us crazy. It can make us to do crazy things, even embarrass us. So, uh, I was looking at this uh, topic and wondering to myself, are there signs how we can know that this, I am not glowing in the Lord? Is there a way of knowing that you are not glowing, that you are not making good progress in your, in your work with the Lord? So I came up with a few, and I have called them signs and symptoms 
of spiritual immaturity. Signs and the symptoms. We all know what signs are and what symptoms are. Signs are what we see, isn't it? Symptoms, what we feel. Do we feel anything when we are spiritually immature? So, on that one, uh, the first one that I came up with was lack of development. Looking at Hebrews 5 from verse 12 to 13. Hebrews 5 from verse 12 to 13. Uh, where it says, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. Why? Because you are not glowing. You are not developing. We all know that each one of us, we started off as a baby. But did we remain a baby? No. We had to glow. Everything else started uh, developing in us. Even the way we cried the first day was not the same way we cried after a month. It means there was development. You were glowing. You were no longer that baby. And then you started throwing your tantrums. And then you started uh, moving from milk to porridge. But that did not happen in a day. It was a process. And it is still a process even up to now. We are still glowing. We haven't stopped glowing. We are still developing. Hallelujah. So, the writer says, considering the time that you came to know the Lord, you may be five years in the Lord, or six years in the Lord, or one year or two months, considering the time that you came to know the Lord, by now, you ought to have been teachers. Some of us are scared to be teachers. He's not saying that we should get ourselves ordained or become professional teachers, or go to Bible school. But the little knowledge that you know about the Lord can qualify you to be a teacher. You can help someone else with that little knowledge. Hallelujah. You are, you are a Christian, you, are, you have been in the Lord, and you can't even open the Bible. Someone says, open the book of Genesis. You are busy flipping around the Bible. That's a sign of that you are not glowing. Because the first thing should have been for you to know the Bible. Because that's God's love letter to us. Have you ever seen some people, uh, uh, I, I think I, I was once in a congregation where the preacher said, we are going to read from the book of Abraham. Let's open Abraham chapter 3. And you know, people were busy flipping the Bible in church. People are busy flipping the Bible. Why is that so? They are not glowing. They ought to be teachers by now. At least you know where you find the Genesis. And you should also know that Abraham was just a character. He was not, he was not mentioned. Uh, there is no book by his name. Simple, basic things like those. As a, an immature Christian, 
You are one of those that say the Bible is a jungle. Munamvakwa antwanena kuti Bible ni nkhalangwa ku. People say that. The moment you look at the Bible Genesis who can read all this? It's a jungle my dear. You get lost. One of the signs of immaturity is also when you find yourself quoting uh, scriptures that are not in the Bible. Eh? Cleanliness. The Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. What verse is that? God helps those who help themselves. Is that a verse? You just know that there is no growth taking place here. I'm not developing. Sometimes you ask yourself, where is this verse found in the Bible? You find that it's just, some of it is from the Quran. And you are quoting from the Quran. Hallelujah. Am I still a sister? <laughs> okay. Um, If we look at Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 11 to 14 where he's giving us uh, this uh, teaching that the logic thing that he was supposed to be talking about uh, from the discussion that he had earlier the discussion on the uh, Jesus being the priest it was supposed to be followed by the rest of what uh, the order of Melchizedek. What, what was it all about? So, we saw that because these people were not developing, they were not able to pick, uh, they could not pick what he was saying. They could not appreciate the significance of this teaching. When you are not developing in your faith, some of the teachings that come up here, they scare you. And you start to wonder, is this really in the Bible? Where do people get this from the Bible? I remember when I was just a new Christian, I didn't really like uh, the teachings about the Holy Spirit and the speaking in tongues and all that. They just didn't sound good in my ears. I was very uncomfortable when one was... Uh, teaching uh, such stuff. And when they say, come and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I didn't want to be one of them. I didn't want to be uh, behaving funny, speaking a certain language I don't understand. So, one of those uh, signs that you are not developing, you cannot really appreciate the teachings, the deeper teachings of the Bible. You don't seem to Really understand. Uh, you really, you cannot really appreciate the profound teachings, the, the the more complex teachings about the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to move from just knowing Him as the, the Savior who died on the cross. We need to move uh, from just knowing Him as the one who turned the water into wine. It's one of the verses that uh, drunkards like. They say, you know, even Jesus turned water into wine. We need to move from there and learn deeper things of the word of God. Hallelujah. And he says we ought to be teachers. We ought to be teachers. 
Uh, can we turn to Acts chapter 18, verse 24 to 28? Acts chapter 18. It's about Priscilla, Aquila, and Apollos. Meanwhile, Verse 24, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great favor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. He only knew what? Baptism. And he was learning with it. At least he was not quiet. At least he was teaching others. But he needed to know more. He needed to know more than just baptism of John. So, these two mature Christians, they took him aside, not trying to embarrass him. They were, I'm sure they, they, they were happy to see that at least he was teaching the word of God. But he needed to be, to know more. That is where uh, they took him aside. They, went, they took him to their home. And there, they taught him more adequately. They added to his knowledge. That's what mature Christians are supposed to do. Not to uh, stop people who have the desire to save God, those that have the zeal, let's encourage them. But let's tell them, you see, you, uh, you can go beyond this. There is more to the story. Some people, they just preach about Jesus who is on the cross. But Jesus is, still, is not on the cross. He's no longer on the cross. He died and he rose again. And he went back to heaven and we are expecting him to come back. You see some people wearing cross with Jesus who is still hung on the cross. It means that's how far they know. That's how much they know. They only know him as the one who hung on the tree. But he did not stay there. He went on to the grave and conquered the grave. His tomb is empty. If you go to Jerusalem now, you find his tomb is empty. So Priscilla and Aquila, this, are, this is a family. It's like Pastor Manjolo and his wife. They take Apollos. Let's say Apollos is our brother, Amos. So they take him and teach him more adequately. That's what the Hebrew writer is trying to communicate to us. We ought to be teachers. We may not know everything, but we know something that we can teach someone. We can turn to a younger believer. We can tell them something. We can teach them spiritual, uh, I mean spiritual truth. There are so many younger believers. Discipleship. You don't need to be a pastor to, be, to, to, to disciple someone. The qualification for you to disciple someone is for you 
to come to know Christ and you learn more about him, then you can teach others about what you have learned about Christ. Hallelujah. So, by now, if you count the years you have been in the Lord, assess yourself and see what you are doing. What are you doing about the knowledge that you have? Have you been able to pass it on to others? Do others know Christ because you have taught them? By now, we ought to be teachers. And by now, we ought to add more. Not just allow people to know just about baptism. They should get to know more about who this Jesus is and what he can do in their life. How he can transform their lives. Hallelujah. Number two, number two uh, sign and symptom is uh, spiritual immature Christians are naive. They are gullible. They are naive to strange doctrines. What do I mean by that? These are immature Christians. They can easily be deceived or tricked. If we read Ephesians chapter 4, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14, from verse 14. Ephesians is in the New Testament. Yeah, the flipping of pages. <laughs> it's in the New Testament. Alright, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 14, it reads, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Let me take you back a little bit um, to, to verse Verse 11, for the sake of context. Verse 11, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for work of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that's when we come to verse 14. Because we have those teachers who teach us, who are, whom God has given us to prepare us for works of service. The work of the teachers, the pastors, the prophets, is to prepare the body of Christ so that we may be built up, so that we may, we may become mature. So from that, that point on, that's where we connect with verse 14. Verse 14 says, then, because we have teachers that are teaching us, then we will no longer be infants. We will no longer be tossed back and forth by Waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. 
you and I know how uh, in the day that we live, there has been a wave of prophets. I don't want to judge anyone. But if you are a mature Christian, you will be able to tell who among them is genuine or is a false prophet or a false teacher. There are so many teachings that are coming. Some of the teachings are just there to manipulate our minds and make us give even when we don't want to give. Someone, they just want their ma- your money. They will come with a certain teaching. They will coin it in such a way that you start feeling like ah, this is real deal. So, he says that when you are spiritually mature, you are naive. You cannot know when these people are there to trick you, to manipulate you. They are there to toss you back and forth. To be tossed back and forth, it's like you, you, this day you go this way and then you, you, you find yourself going another direction. That's what it means to be tossed back and forth. You don't really know where you're going. Any wind will blow you the other side. If another wind will come from there, it will blow you on the other side. Why? Because you are immature. You don't know how to discern. You don't know how to differentiate between good and evil. Remember the verse that we read uh, in, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, it says, uh, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Hallelujah. So, if uh, someone still want to be a baby, Someone still want to, uh, they don't want to grow. They love to be carried. They love to be pampered. They will not know when these people are trying to, uh, to toss you about. Spiritual immaturity is marked by instability. The idea of tossing about is immaturity. It is instability. If there is a new prophet in town, you are the first person to be cheated. If there is a new prophet in town, you are the first person to be swindled. Why? Because you are unstable. You are carried by every wind. You are swindled. You are deceived. So, these people, they change their view whichever way the wind is blowing. Whichever way the wind is blowing. If the wind is blowing this way, they will go that way. Just like uh, politicians do. They will tell you, uh, you find an MP saying, uh, my constituents say I should support the government. Have they really been sent by their constituents? I don't think so. But because they feel if they, they align themselves with this side, there is something good that they are going to benefit so, a person who is immature, how do you know you are immature? And how do you know you are, you are naive? Even the forward messages that come on the WhatsApp, 
that forward this to 10 people if you want to be blessed. You are the first person to forward. And they, they tell you, even me, who has sent you, you send me again. How crazy is that? <laughs> and you find yourself doing it. Sending it to 10 people. Really? Do you have time to do all that? Just, want, just because you want a blessing? And they scare you with all sorts of cases. If you don't send, this will happen. And then you are scared. Why? Because you are immature. You don't know the word of God. And you also see yourself. Uh, nowadays we hear a lot about hey, Asataniki and all that. The, the people that are in church that know God are not supposed to fear, to fear those things. We are more than conquerors. We heard people saying that, ah, this COVID drug and all that, it's the satanists that have made this. Are you trying to say that, that you, you have elevated the devil to that level of wisdom and intelligence? That he can come up with something as good as that, that can save life. Can the devil rise up against himself? If something is trying to save life, can the devil try to save life? No, the devil wants to kill. He wants to steal and destroy. And the devil is a spiritual enemy. He cannot fight using physical weapon. Why are we cheated? Why do we just listen to each and every wind of doctrine? Just because it's a man of God who said it, it doesn't make it right. You need to check with the scriptures and find out what God says about a situation. So, immaturity, spiritual immaturity makes one to be naive. And in, that, in the end, they are easily deceived and they are easily tricked. So, as you grow in the Lord, you stop being tossed about. You become strong. You don't get carried away with any weird doctrine. Even if it looks like everyone else is following. Sometimes people, they just follow the cloud. Everyone is going to this prophet. Everyone is going to this prophet. You see one mark that uh, you know that this one is not genuine. Check their lifestyle. Is it in line with the word of God? If you try to point out something to them, they will tell you the verse from the Bible that touch not the anointed. It's a scripture, but is it applying to this situation? The way this man of God is behaving is against the word of God. And I'm trying to show, it, to show the way and he says touch not the anointed. That's a sign that you are not mature. And you are so naive and you are so carried away. You are so taken up by this man of God, even if they are lying to you. And they will be coming up with all sorts of products for you to believe that this, this is a real deal. They will come up with a soap that can cleanse sins. Sure. Are you really serious? Has the blood of Jesus failed yet? How sad is that? It's very sad. But you know, there are people that believe these things. They do, and you, you, you tend to wonder, but they do. So if you look at their spiritual lives, they are not glowing. 
they don't know the truth for themselves. Hallelujah. Moving on to the third point, immature Christians are difficult to get along with. Did you hear me? <laughs> they are difficult to get along with. Go to 1 Corinthians 3 from verse 1 to 3. 1 Corinthians 3 from verse 1 to 3. This one is talking about divisions in the church. Not divisions in the political party, but divisions where? In the church. He was talking to Christians. Just like the Hebrew writer was talking to Christians. Paul was addressing Christians in Corinth. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For, for since there is jealousy and quarrel among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere men? That's the question. You see the thing they are arguing about. That if you go on with the chapter, it has disturbed the whole church. Immaturity. Immature people are hard to get along with. They make it hard. As a sign of maturity, there is a strife between uh, the members who are supposed to be getting along. I'm not supposed to find it difficult to get along with a fellow sister in the Lord. We are supposed to understand one another. We are supposed to tolerate one another. Bear one, bearing one another's burden. That's what the Bible says we should do. But you find that even in church, there is strife and there is jealousy. Someone cannot rejoice the success of a fellow believer. They wish it was them. They wish, why, why did God do it to them? Why give him another job? He just left a good job and then he has another job. And us, we, don't, we still don't have a job. Hallelujah. It's happening. This was in church. It's happening even in the church today. Immaturity. They do something that offends us. We retaliate by hurting them as well. We post on our status. We may use a scripture, but that scripture is not meant to encourage them. <laughs> but it's meant to make them feel pain. One better pain. I'm the pain, eh? You will find a status carrying a verse about your enemy, what the God should do to your enemies. But you are talking about your fellow brother in the Lord. Why don't you go and talk to them? Why don't you resolve the issue? 
Why don't you come to an understanding? If it's difficult, ask a, a mediator. Let them come between you and say, we don't get to understand each other. Can you help us? Instead of posting a status on FB or on your, your WhatsApp status and where, wherever you post your statuses. I don't know where else you do. Me, I'm just a WhatsApp person. So, we end up severing relationships with our fellow Christians. And what happens when you save a relationship? You don't tend to like the church anymore. By and by, you leave. Because you can't get along with that sister. Sometimes it's even the pastor. Maybe he has said something that offends us. We don't take time to process things. And then, we let that thing grow deep in us. And causing us to be bitter. And in the end... Because we are so immature, we fail to get along with our fellow Christians. So, we start treating others with contempt. We start treating them with a negative attitude. And what happens when you start looking at a person with uh, that uh, indifference? Can you say good things about them? Even when someone knows some, something good about them, but you, you would want to, them to know something that they don't know about this person. Even if people may say, ah, that one is a wonderful person. Until uh, uh, you, you are quiet and then you say, hey, but you know, we need to pray for her. <laughs> the way she treated me this other day. You would want people to know this aggressive of the person. That's immaturity. Immaturity. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love does not expose. Love does not keep a record of evil. Love does not humiliate others. You want to be seen by pulling down others. It is not right. That is immaturity. We are a family. A family of believers. We are supposed to promote one another. Remember the promotion of love. If you are not promoting love, you are? You have already forgotten. Pastor Sunga, you need to repeat that lesson again. We always want to make people see the aggressive side of a person. And that's what is destroying the church today. If you felt offended by brother so-so, resolve it with him. Without it, contaminating the rest of the family. It can stay between the two of you without everyone else knowing. So, if we read these things unchecked, if they go unchecked, we end up splitting the church. That is how, why you find some people just go missing from church. They are no longer here. They are no longer here. Where are they? Was it me who caused them to stumble? Okay, point number four is spiritual immature are controlled by their fresh red desires. Uh, we are still on 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, the issue of jealousy, that's a fresh red desire. The issue of strife. If we go to Galatians chapter 5, verse, uh, from verse 19, uh, the obvious verse. 
the one that some of us have memorized. <laughs> My sister Mimi has memorized that one. <laughs> she can just recite it for us. Galatians 5 verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. What are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Another warning from Paul. It is a sign of immaturity to display what uh, Acts, I mean Galatians 19 is talking about. This list is not exhaustive. There could be more. And even in the modern day, we can add more there. Those are the ones that were a big thing in the time of Paul. But nowadays, we can add to that list of the things that are happening that shouldn't be happening. So, uh, we behave like a child throwing tantrums, throwing fits of rage. A mature person yields to their own freshly desires. They want to gratify it. They lack self-control. They don't exercise self-control. We, we fail to surrender fully our fleshly desires to God. On our own, it's not possible. But if we remember that by training, we can attain this level. Hallelujah. When we exercise it consistently, it's possible to attain the level of verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, faithfulness, patience, kindness. The list goes on. And self-control there. So, the, last, the one that we are talking about was just the last on the uh, list of symptoms. So, what are we talking about here? The main issue that has been uh, a central focus is that the Hebrew writer is worried that we are not growing. We are still infants. We are still babies. We still want to, to cling to milk. You see, um, I don't know other countries, but in Malawi, there's this uh, uh, the, the, the Ministry of Health promotes uh, exclusive breastfeeding for mothers. I think Mimi can, can share that. If you want to find out from her more, she can give you more information. Exclusive breastfeeding. What is it all about? You're supposed to only feed milk, breast milk to the baby up to six months without introducing any other food. But do you think it's possible with Malawian women? <laughs> to only feed milk to their baby? If you have a mother like mine, she will tell you, you want to starve your baby. Why? You cannot rely on blessed milk. While that is good, 
and it is really important. But in ourselves, we tell ourselves that milk is not enough. A baby cannot grow strong on milk only for six months. Milk and water, that's what they say. But then you tend to introduce uh, new foods, a little porridge, a very light porridge. By the time they are six months and you want to introduce them to hard porridge and seam and, and the other stuff, you will have gone beyond the period which is prescribed as the period of exclusive blessed feeding. Why does the mother do that? The mother is doing that not because they want to disobey the law, no, but they want their baby to grow. Because if the baby is not growing, it's worrisome for the mother. If they take the baby to, to the doctor, the doctor will look at the weight of the baby, the height, and all that, and they will be able to say, this baby is not developing in a healthy way. Why? Uh, by this time, this baby ought to weigh so much, but they are not weighing so much. And they will ask the mother, why? Why is the baby not weighing so much? And we know, we always watch the development of the baby. We know at this time he's supposed to be walking, and your baby is not walking. You start getting worried. If the baby is not uh, speaking, you start getting worried. If the baby still wants to feed on milk, you start getting worried. It's the same thing with the Hebrew writer. He's worried that these people, they ought to be glowing. They ought to be teachers. They are not supposed to be relying on milk anymore. They are supposed now to be eating strong meat. They are supposed to be breaking bones. So, like any growth process... The natural growth process, we all started off like a baby, and it's a slow process. Growth doesn't just take place in one single day, and boom, you are a grown-up person. It's a slow process. Maturity also is a small process. It happens over a long period of time. In fact, a life, it's a lifelong uh, process. We will continue to grow in our knowledge of the Lord, in our maturity, for a lifetime. There will not be a time where I will feel like I've, I'm now grown, I can no longer uh, have to study the word of God. I still have to yearn to grow in my knowledge of the Lord, in my understanding. Hallelujah. Even Paul says, I press on. Not that I've yet reached the, the mark. I press on. Why not us? We need to press on. So the right of Hebrew said that the mature are those that have their powers of discernment through constant practice. Through constant practice, you can distinguish evil from uh, good from evil. You can distinguish a false teacher. You can say, tell that this one is a false teacher. He's lying to us. With training and practice, these are a lifelong uh, activities. They don't just happen in a day. We need not to outgrow them. If we neglect these things, we will remain infants. We will remain babies in the Lord. We will continue to feed on milk. We will continue to be unsettled. 
will continue to be unable to get along with others. We will continue to be able to, uh, not to be able to control our impulses. So, this will not just happen on, on its own. God will not just cause us to grow. It's a work that we have to, uh, to, to do it uh, relying on his strength. We have to work it out. How do we do it? Don't neglect your prayer life. It is going back to what we looked at last week. We looked at uh, why someone drifts away from the Lord. It is when they neglect their prayer life. Your alone time with God. Where it's just you and God. No one else is there. Your quiet time where you can uh, read the Bible on your own. If we neglect these things, we will remain babies. If we also neglect the fellowship, we don't come to church and we start saying, ah, I'll be praying on the TV. Yes, you can pray on the TV, but we need to come and see you here. Your coming encourage someone. When you decide to stay at home, we get disturbed. We start wondering. We start making up stories. What is happening to them? Why are they not in church today? So, coming together, even the Bible, last week we saw that the Bible encourages us. Let us not uh, stop meeting together. Let us not neglect our meeting together. In Hebrews chapter 10, we were exhorted. Let us not give, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Hebrews 10 verse 25. There are some that are in that habit. But that is what one of the causes of you remaining an infant. You remain an infant when you don't, you, you, you stop fellowshipping with your fellow believers. And the Bible is clear. When we do these things, when we take time, quiet time, even Jesus himself, being the son of God, he was taking time, the alone time. If you look, if you look, read in the book of, uh, in the Gospels, throughout the Gospels, the life of Jesus, you will find out that he was a man of prayer. He was God. It was not a problem for him, but he decided that he was going to rely on his father. He would withdraw and just be to, uh, on his own. He would go to a solitary place to seek his father. Hallelujah. When you are, you are uh, rooted and planted in the things of God, it's difficult to move you or to, to swerve you. No one can just come up from there and start telling you stuff that you know is not in line with the word of God and that you take it in. You cannot easily be swerved. And when you are a student who is learning, you want to mature in your knowledge and understanding of the things of the Lord. It will help you to serve God better. Because what you learn, you would want to share. You will not just keep to yourself. You would want to share with others. It will birth the burden for uh, outreach, for, for uh, 
ministering to other people, evangel- evangelism. You, it will also open you up to leading a life that is led by the Spirit of God. He guides your steps. He leads you. You are no longer left out. You are able to understand at the very same pace with everyone else. Hallelujah. Now let's turn to the exhortations for today. For the exhortations, um, in Hebrews chapter 10, from verse 19, um, Verse 26. I'll just read a few verses from there. From verse 26 it says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging of fire. That will consume the enemies of God. I wanted to say this, that the fire that God prepared is not for us. So, therefore, you are not supposed to be part of the people that will go to this fire. This fire was prepared for who? God's enemies. Are you God's enemy? No, you're not. So, what, what will keep you from going to this fire is, they are saying that we should not deliberately sin. We should not deliberately keep on sinning. And then he says, uh, the verse 32, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in great context in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood by, side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourself had better and lasting possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So we are being called to persevere. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we are facing a lot of challenges. Yes, things are not working out the way we thought they should. But the Bible says we should persevere. He reminds these Christians that at the earlier days when they came to know the Lord, they were facing a lot of challenges, but they stood their grounds. They did not uh, withdraw from the, from the faith. They stood their grounds. We all face such times. We all face situations whereby we tend to question where God is. I've been through that a lot. Sometimes I wonder if he ever listens to my prayer. But he does. It's not because he's not giving me there and then that he's not answering. He's a loving father. And all the nations will call you that you're life for life. Lord, do it in the lives of your people. According to your word, in Jesus' mighty name. We pray for the offering as we lift it up to you, God. Say blessing. Let it do the work of the ministry. Your word says, give, and it shall come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together.
from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. and they are meeting here at church. Sunday service schedule. Every service starts from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. and before that we have intercessions at 7 a.m. Then teacher service starts from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And every Saturday we have prayers here at church. Let me invite Tammy, she has an announcement for the world.
and the rapture hasn't taken place. So please, let's do these things. Amen? I encourage you. I know it's voluntary, but it's very important for your own health and for all the people around you. You're protecting somebody. So please, go for the vaccine. It's, it's very quick. And you're not going to die. I'm here. And all these who raise their hands are also here. So let's do it. We make pledges as well. Our three-year pledges. Please, let's do those pledges. Bring those things to church. I, I need to see uh, those pledges. Those ones, I'll see them myself. So let's meet those pledges. Uh, as we finish the service, let me just ask these ones to quickly come to the front. Winnie Potolani, Emma's Potolani, uh, Rosie Hono, Namson. Come to the front, brothers and sisters. Come. I want to quickly say a prayer for you and then we finish this. 9 to 10. So come join me. Service. 
but we want to praise you for what you've done in our lives and what you're doing in our lives. We pray, bless your people. Even as we are rising, we are also declaring the is risen. May you be exalted, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All the guests, those of you who are here for the first time,